Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is Zach Turner. He's a physio from Keys at Australia. So Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brenton. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to get on here. I'm a, a long-time listener and follower of um, your Effortless Swimming platform, so glad to take part. Yeah, I'll, I think it'd be good for the people listening to know sort of how this came about. So uh, we met through a clinic that I was running in Melbourne, and then, uh, then uh, I mean, we were out of the pool for a while with lockdowns and stuff, but then we caught up a few months later, and uh, you said, oh, why don't you come and try out uh, the Keyser gym that, uh, that you work out? that you work at and um, I've been going for the last, I don't know, maybe two, two months now, I think it's been. Yep. And um, I've really enjoyed it, got a lot out of it. And w- now that I've come back to swimming, I've found that my shoulders have been really good uh, as a result of some of the strength training there. And uh, so I thought it'd be good to get you on the podcast to talk about strength training, talk a bit about what Keys is doing. And I don't want this to sound like an, an ad for Keyser, um, but we will sort of, um, you know, obviously refer to that because that's what I've been doing for the last couple of months. Uh, but yep. uh, yeah, full disclosure, I, I go to Keyser and I use the gym. Uh, this isn't a isn't a paid advert um, by Keyser or anything like that. So I just wanted to to put that out there before we start. So um, just for the listeners, what's your sort of background as a as a physio and as an athlete as well? Yeah, so um, I've uh, I've recently gotten into long distance triathlon over the last four, four or five years now, um, been on hold the last two years for, for obvious reasons. Um, but I guess the biggest downfall in, in my triathlons were, were always my swim. Um, I'm not a natural swimmer. I'm definitely uh, more of a natural runner. And um, it's always been that one leg that's really been holding me back. So I got on to, to one of your clinics and, and really found that um, I got some great results in, in my swimming following that. And um, prior to... Cairns Ironman this year was was swimming really really well. Was really excited about um, what I could put out on the day, and um, unfortunately wasn't able to get there. So over the last little while, um, everyone talks about Ironman being pretty hard to finish. They're uh, they're pretty hard to start at the moment. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, and then I, I work as a as a physio, like you mentioned, Brenton. Um, currently, I work with Keyser down in the team in Torquay here, um, and. Similar, similar to yourself, I, I utilise the, the strength equipment that we have here at Keyser and it just gives me gives me great ability to back up in my sessions, both not only swimming but running and cycling as well. And um, and I really try and target my strength to to work on uh, whatever elements of my my stroke. Talking about swimming now that I that I need to focus on and um, hoping that I can um, yeah help other people um, get great results as well. And glad to hear that. Uh, that you're, you're one that's starting to notice some benefits, Brenton. Yeah, well, it's, the thing that stood out to me is it's, it's quite a different approach to any sort of gym session that I'd done before. Uh, so I think it'd be good to maybe talk about what's the, uh, the approach and how is that different to your typical sort of strength training or gym program? Yeah, so um, like, like you mentioned, you, you walk into a, to a Keyser Centre or, or a Keyser Gym and it does have a, a bit of a different look and a different feel to um, what what you may see in some some other gyms. Um, the first thing that, that strikes is that um, the the equipment's a little bit different. Um, enables us to to really isolate the areas that we want to isolate, and then um, beyond that, there's some machines that we can use for some more compound movements as well. 
Um, where where I really like to start off and where you and I started off was getting as much data and as much information as we can. Um, and we have the ability to, to do some strength testing. Um, and from those strength testing results, we can really start to map out where any of those strength deficiencies might be. And then really correlate that with um, whatever that, that person or athlete maybe they're working on um, out, outside or, or in their chosen sport. Um, and we use for an example um, with yourself, for instance, someone who might uh, be finding it difficult to really get into a nice high elbow catch position. Um, and if with a lot of cueing, they're still not really getting there, we can really start to then strength test around the rotator cuff and see if there's any strength that, that may be limiting them as well. Um, and that's the starting point um, so that we can make fully individualized strength program for them. Um, and then the other most noticeable difference would be the time under load principle that we use. So we aim to, uh, to elicit muscle fatigue within a, a two minute time frame. Um, and again, that's different to, to what we use for, for reps and sets. For me personally, in, in endurance sport, I think it makes, makes a lot of sense um, when, when you think about the strength endurance principles and, um, and then using time under load for a principle of that. I've found a, a great correlation between uh, my strength training and, and endurance sport as well. Yeah, it's, it's very different to, to what I've done before. So essentially, for me, at least the program, it's, uh, it's about 10, 10 exercises, roughly nine or 10. And yep. it's then just one round of it. And you do sort of your reps and it's like four seconds, one direction, hold for two, four seconds, the other direction, hold for two. And the aim is to kind of get to fatigue within this, you know, 90 to 120 second time frame, And then that's it for the exercise. Uh, so we're not doing yeah. several rounds of it. And, uh, and it's it, like, it's, for me, it's, I like it for a few reasons. One is I'm sort of out of there within about 40 minutes, roughly. So um, I know exactly what I'm meant to be doing. I can see that progress over time. And since I started, the weights that I'm moving has, it's improved dramatically. And I think it, when you go from doing next to no strength training or no structured strength training to actually doing it, obviously that makes a big difference. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, uh, I've noticed it a lot in my swimming, particularly through the shoulders. So, when I first got back in the pool two months ago now, I think it might have been, I was still having some pain through the front of my right shoulder because that's where I had a mountain bike accident a couple of years ago and it would sort of flare up every now and then. And I'd say after four or five weeks, about four or five weeks, it started to disappear. And so the, my shoulders have been feeling really good ever since. And I think that's a big a big factor to a couple of the machines that they've got there, particularly the internal external rotation machine, which is obviously a really important part for uh, the thing for swimmers. And I think it'd be good to, to touch on, like initially when we were, were chatting, you had a, an idea that is, is uh, internal external rotation strength linked to your ability to like kind of to be a good swimmer or to get a, a good catch. And when we did my testing, we looked at the numbers and, I saw it and went, all right, I'm pretty weak <laughs> in my internal external um, rotation. I haven't done the retesting yet, but I've got no doubt that my, my, my numbers will be a lot better than what they were when I first first started. Uh, but with that hypothesis, it, um, it then just showed that, okay, for me, I'm not very strong there, but um, I can still get a good catch, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, wasn't painless all the time mm -hmm. and and I probably couldn't sustain it uh, as long as I can now. So I was probably breaking down a bit quicker. So do you want to talk a little bit about maybe that hypothesis that you had 
when we first started uh, chatting and then maybe talk about even just that, that machine and what it strengthens and so on, because I found that to be a really good one for swimmers. Yeah, look, the, the important thing to note um, with, with strengthening is um, it does need to be individual and, um, and the same program or, or each, each athlete, is, is, their program is going to look completely different. Um, and what's important to, to remember when we're uh, designing a program for someone is it really needs to complement what we're trying to get them to do in that given sport. And if we're and talking about swimming with yourself, Brenton, um, that's where having a really, really good relationship between a physio and the coach is so important that you can come to, to whoever it is that you're working with and saying, well, this is what we're having trouble working on. And then we can make sure that um, from a, a strength standpoint that um, that might be an element that uh, that we need to focus on. So we, like you said, we had the discussion around um, if you're finding it hard with any athlete to either get in or maintain that high, el- high elbow catch position, um, would that then correlate potentially with some weakness through the rotator cuff and more specifically through those shoulder internal rotators? Um, and we found that, um, yeah, that probably wasn't as well supported in, in your case um, in terms of you, you, can, you can get into to good positions and, and obviously have a, a, a really good high elbow catch, um, but your strength through that area of the rotator cuff probably didn't quite correlate um, the same way, but we also then need to, to keep in mind that um, there's other elements throughout swimming where, where strength can impact as well. Essentially, when we're swimming, um, the main aim of, of swimming is to uh, increase our horizontal displacement in the water as, as much as we can with, with each stroke. So essentially, what we mean by that is moving from point A to point B in any given stroke and the furthest we can move between those two points in each stroke um the, ultimately the the further we go the faster we can swim the more effectively we can swim so what that means as well is if you can get into good position through a high elbow catch and hold a lot of water there you also need to have a really good level of strength to be able to apply force back against the resistance that the water is going to give off to propel yourself forward um, so getting in position is one thing, but also being able to then push back against that water to drag yourself forward and create that horizontal displacement um, is another big consideration that uh, we need to remember when we're strengthening as well. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And it's I think you can get some sort of, obviously you get some sort of strength benefit from, from swimming, but uh, it does certainly make a difference. And I've for me, you know, where I'm at with, with my swimming, it uh, yeah, might compete twice a year or so so i'm not competing a lot but really i want to make sure that i'm able to swim for the next 10 20 30 years and and do it pain-free and not get injured where i have to sit out of the water for for a while and so for me it's i'd say it's primarily uh injury prevention and just making sure Mm -hmm. that uh, that i feel good and can do it for a long time but obviously it has those benefits of helping your swimming uh, as well and with the uh, athletes that you work with do you see a, a mix of those two goals or is it primarily rehab or prevention what's the balance there with the athletes that you see yeah ab- absolutely like um the the injury side of things is um is hugely important um or, or or massive consideration that we need to take with swimmers and um and a big part of the clientele that we see here and it's worth touching on that prevention is, is always better than, than cure um, and we'd rather see 
see our, our patients before they get injured so that we can put in the steps to keep them in the pool because the longer we can keep someone in, in the pool um, and the more consistent they can back up their sessions, the more likely they are to, to get the outcomes that they that they want to get. Um, and yeah, so strengthening, obviously, uh, the stronger we are, the, the more capacity is in those muscles, tissues, bones, um, and the more forces that they can withstand, which means you're going to have a greater capacity to be able to back up your sessions um, and less likely to develop injuries. Um, there's also other elements that we need to consider and um, injury prevention tools that we can measure to make sure that we are having that philosophy of prevention um, first. So um, I actually worked on a, um, a study uh, a few years back now that um, that we got published about a, a test for, for swimmers um, and it's called the Combined Elevation Test, which is a test that uh, looks at the extension range combined through the shoulder combined with extension through the thoracic spine um, and what we we're able to find from that study was that based on someone's height and wingspan we can get an approximate value of where they may uh, or a normative value of where they should reach on this combined elevation test now that's a pretty simple test to do poolside before um, a, a swim where you might go in and, and do a quick screening test and if you're outside a 10% variable of your baseline, then that might be an indicator that uh, you're, you're creeping up to the threshold of maybe getting injured and, and maybe you need to adapt some things. So some trackable tools like that are fantastic. Um, we've got to remember that swimming, there's high revolutions of, of the shoulder within every swim. Um, your, each stroke is against resistance. So um, unlike sports like running, where we tend to say that uh, you're more likely to get injured because of loading, well, there's, there's some pretty high loads in, in swimming as well. Yeah, I see that with video analysis where if you pause the video in a certain position, you look at the position someone's in and you go, how are you not injured yet? Or normally they say, yeah, like my neck's been really sore or my shoulder's been really sore yeah. <laughs> uh, because particularly some of the overhead stuff where – that might be from the like the entry to the reach or the catch. People get to some pretty uh, uncomfortable positions when you actually look at it in a, in slow motion. So yeah. that that mobility or range of motion is is really important. And we used to do the combined elevation test at, at clinics, and we don't anymore because we just don't quite have the time to fit that in along with all of the other stuff that we we do. But uh, I remember I posted a video about that maybe five six years ago. And it got really good traction because I think it showed a lot of people, well, it's an easy test to do, first of all. And if you're not sure what we're talking about, you can look up, just look it up online, combined elevation test. But the way I'd probably explain it would be like lie on the ground. Uh, the way we were doing it was you've got your chin on, on the ground, hands out in front of you. And you can either do it like thumbs crossed or hand on top of the other, just depends how, how would you test it? I'll, I'll let you explain it before I butcher it too badly, Zach. <laughs> no, you, you, did, you did a pretty good explanation there. Um, so, but in the in the study that we did, it was really important that we standardised it mm. as much as we possibly could. So, um, essentially, you've got a um, a block platform with a vertical pole that's got uh, a measuring tape on it. Uh, we get the athlete to lay. We got forehead in contact with the ground, um, arms above head, one hand on top of the other, and in a streamlined position like you would when you were diving uh, for entry into the water. Uh, from there, the aim is to extend or elevate the arms or hands as high up that pole as you can. And we're looking, the movement that we get is glenohumeral extension, which is the, the shoulder joint itself, combined with the extension through the thoracic spine to achieve that, that range. Um, and then for the use of, like we mentioned a little bit earlier, as an injury preventative tool, 
getting those baselines based on those normative values that you, we can gather from that from that study. Um, we can then use that as a, as a tool to go. Uh, if you're outside of that 10% ratio, well, um, there may need to be some modifications to some training sessions to make sure that um, we do stand on that side of prevention rather than cure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we um, was working with one of the the physios who was doing some work with the Australian swim team a couple of years ago, and she that's why I first came across this test. And they were sort of looking at the way that they were. She she was referring to it as is pretty much all the Australian swimmers they can get their arms above a twenty degree angle. So if straight out is if you call that zero degrees, you know twenty degrees would be a, a, above that. She said all the elite swimmers are in that range now for. Most people come to our clinics when we were testing it. I'd say we'd probably get like 20% would be above like 5% uh, or perhaps 10%. And then the rest would either be zero or couldn't get above zero. And it's, it's, it's relative because, well, it's important because that sort of overhead range is a, quite it's got quite a direct correlation to your ability to get a high elbow position in the catch so if you can improve that over time then it's going to help you swimming no doubt and i think we see a lot of people who do have pretty tight shoulders just from years of sitting down or driving you know just all all of the life stuff what what are some ways that uh, that you think people can improve or just based on your study how can people improve their range overhead yeah, so in terms of in the study itself, we, we didn't look at too much in terms of, I guess, the um, the methodology about getting um, improvements in it. It was more about finding that normative data, but um, things that, that people can be doing at home to make sure that they can keep uh, keep good good range through shoulders and even that thoracic spine is just making sure that their, their recovery routines are, are great. So you may utilise a foam roller through thoracic spine to make sure that uh, you're staying nice and mobile through there spiky balls even through um, through the rotator cuff and, and chest after swim sessions are great as well. Um, and um, and then like we've touched on the importance of being able to make sure that you're recovering from each and every session that you're doing by making sure that your physical capacity is above the demand of it by making sure that you're, you're strong um, goes a long way as well. So um, yeah, so the, they're generally the, the three things that I would um, highly encourage probably in, in, in no particular order, but making sure that you're maintaining and, and upholding enough strength to be able to perform and back up at the level that you, you want to back up at um, and then keeping on top of those recovery recovery tools, foam roller, spiky ball, etc. A quick note from our sponsor. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Form Swim Goggles. With these goggles, you don't have to look at the pace clock anymore or be one of those swimmers in the pool always grabbing for their watch. With Form Smart Swim Goggles, you can see all of your key metrics while you're swimming. Distance, pace, stroke rate, they've got it all. And the swim data is displayed on the goggle lens, and you can customize the display to see the metrics that you want to. And I was worried that it was going to be distracting, but you can literally see through the display, the metrics are always there, but you have to choose to focus on them. It's really impressive. And it makes hitting intervals or any kind of specific training much more manageable and achievable. And the goggles track it all. It's automated. So from the time you start your session to the end of the swim, you don't have to press any buttons in between. It automatically tracks everything. Form also works with a bunch of the best pro athletes out there, including Lionel Sanders, Sarah Crowley, Hannah Wells, and Olympic champion Usama Malouli, to name a few. These form goggles are for all types of swimming too. 
one pair of goggles and you can use them in the pool, the open water. You can use them in swim spas and endless pools too. So the same pair of goggles can be used in all of these different environments. The battery life is incredible too. One hour charge is 16 hours of swimming time battery life. And you can have the display on either your right or your left eye. The goggles themselves come with anti-fog solution that's used in dive masks. So it's great in terms of quality. And there's a protective case with a nifty drainage solution. So after you swim, you can store them safely. And while the goggles connect to the form swim app on your smartphone too, they will sync with the form app. And there you can review all of the details of your swim. And you can see what other swimmers are up to in the form swim community as well. I'm a big fan of these goggles. I was really impressed when I used them. And I use them for a vast majority of the sessions that I'm currently doing. To find out more about the Form Swim goggles, go to formswim.com and you can use our coupon code EFFORTLESS at checkout and save $15 off your order. Back to the podcast. And what about how often should you be doing strength training? Is it like swimming where you know, I'd suggest three a week minimums, really what you want to do to, to improve or you know, is, it, is it two a week? Where, where do you often see works, works best for your clients? We, we often encourage anywhere between two to three times a week um, is, is generally pretty sufficient. Um, more of the um, our, our clients that may be a little bit more, more keen on it might split their programming into two and do a few few more days. But we've got to also remember that um, it's, it's through the process of, of recovery that we're actually making strength gains. So um, if we compromise that recovery, um, then, yeah, we're actually going to be compromising how much of a, a strength improvement we can get. It's also... Yeah, key to keep in mind, like you mentioned earlier before, Brenton, that um, there are elements of, of swimming or and, and a lot of elements of swimming that um, are going to work on strength as well. So we want to also ensure that what we're doing in the gym isn't then going to mean that um, we can't then go and swim to the extent that we want. So you may need to work around if, if you've got a, a strength set, which, for example, might be um, hand paddles, pool boy, even band around your feet um, to really work on some of that upper body strength or um, yeah, you want to make sure that you're appropriately then structuring your, your strength sessions on times where they're not going to interfere with how you're actually then going to perform in that session as well. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really important yeah. one. And I've not battled with that, but I've found when I've been able to fit in my strength sessions, sometimes it's coincided, like I'll train Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings. And often it's been like a Tuesday afternoon and a Thursday afternoon that I've trained. So kind of going into the Wednesday, Thursday sessions, a little bit sore and fatigued and I certainly feel it. And it's, you know, it's a bit of a, bit of a battle to get through those sessions and swim them as well as I would if I was fresh. Um, but for me, anyway, it's, I'd rather do the strength sessions and maybe suffer a little bit in the, in the swims. But uh, so it is certainly something that you've got to take into account because I, you know, some of these, these swims I've felt a little bit heavy, a little bit sore, but I know in the, in the long run, it's, look, it's going to be a, better, but uh, it, you certainly do feel, especially when you go from maybe not doing any sort of strength training, don't be surprised if you might feel a little bit heavy in the water through the arms, maybe through the legs and so on. And uh, yeah, it, it, your, your times might, yeah, might be a little bit slower initially as, as a result of that. So uh, it's important to, I think, yeah. for people to understand that that's, that's probably going to happen at least uh, for the first couple of weeks. Absolutely. And that's where we really need to go into to how we're feeling and making sure that um, we're adapting um, our, our strength sessions and like we've touched on our, our other sessions as, as we need to. So if you are coming into the gym um, sore after a, after a big strength session in the pool and, and another gym session uh, the day prior to that, well, 
Um, you may not then decide that you're going to do that that program in its entirety in terms of weight, but dropping those weights back 10 or 20% to make sure that you're still getting some input in there without um, compromising that recovery um, is um, yeah, is the important and most sensible sensible step. And in terms of resting up, so for me, I've got an event coming up early Jan, which would be my first race for over probably about over a year. And I'm thinking for like leading to that event, I want to, I might do an easier session at the start of the week and then the race is going to be on the weekend and just making sure I taper up because as a teenager, when we were racing, I found that typically the, the guys would need a little bit of a longer taper to, to rest up. Uh, often sometimes between seven to, to 14 days if you're under heavy training. Uh, sometimes for the girls, it was like five to 10 days. It obviously depends on the individual, but making sure that you do taper or you ease off your training and your strength training leading into a into an event. So what uh, is there anything there that you would often suggest to, to people if they are going into a race that they're targeting? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I probably can't share too much of my own experience lately. <laughs> um, it's been over two years since my last race as well. So I um, unfortunately haven't got myself to a taper yet. Um, <laughs> But yeah, de- definitely, we want to make sure that we're freshening up uh, before the before the start of that race. Um, but we want to also make sure that we're keeping those important muscle groups active and, and still working those areas as much as we can. So um, in the in the week or even two weeks leading up to a race, it's still really important that you're getting into the gym and completing those sessions. But you may even then drop those weights down more than what you what we previously mentioned. You may even drop them back fifty percent. Um, in those in those seven or fourteen days prior to, to heading into a, a race or an event. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. That's uh, uh, it sounds good, and it's you know you just uh, I remember mistiming a, a taper, and I did it on a few occasions because it's hard to hit your taper if if you are training. We we're doing eight or nine sessions a week, and maybe three gym sessions back in the day. You know, this is this is like half a lifetime ago. It feels like now, but it's and it was it was quite hard to get your taper. Right, but I found quite often I wouldn't back off early enough. So what I've tried to do over the last few years is just make sure that I give myself enough time to to rest up, especially when you're not doing as that much training, like compared to what we were doing. I might be doing three to five swims a week. That uh, mm. yeah, that I just gave myself those those two weeks of just starting to to dial it down, so you go in feeling feeling fresh. And, and again, it, it, it comes down to the individual and, uh, and the experience that, that they've had before. I know um, I don't taper very well. Um, I know that when I do go into a taper, for the most part, I can bank on pretty much getting sick. So yeah. um, I've based my tapers now around on trying to keep some intensity um, in there, but dropping that overall volume um, instead so that I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I've found that when, when I do that, I'm, I'm getting to the start line healthy. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see how we go at the next one. Why do you th- why do you think that is? Because I see it uh, happens a lot with the with the elite swimmers when they lead into like national trials or or the Olympics. Like it's just, do you think it's because they go from such a heavy load and the body is just working, 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 and it's get, got this built up fatigue, and then when they rest, their body just goes, oh, okay, now I can <laughs> I can relax, and it, they get sick. Like, how, what do you reckon it comes from? Yeah, look, yeah, there probably needs to be a, a few few more studies in, into the area. I don't think there's quite enough sort of research going into that, um, I guess, topic, topic at the moment. But, 
yeah, when we're when we're working um, hard in, in our training and depleting our energy stores and really working at hard, high heart rate zones for a, for a long period of time, um, yeah, we're we're compromising our body's um, immune system, um, and and then when it leaves us more vulnerable, I guess when we when we do start to back off to um, to to get viruses or, or illnesses as well. So um, that's that's where I've found that. Keeping some intensity in there, keeping my heart rate up, can can sort of keep me away from that that susceptible zone a little bit. Um, but also making sure that I'm I'm not still sort of going in with a huge amount of underlying fatigue. And uh, any any sort of final thoughts or any anything you'd like to the listener to know, just in terms of strength training or based on your last couple of years of experience, what's uh, what are a couple of important things that you think someone should know? Because when I have a guest on, I you know because people people they're experts in their own area and i think they've got some real gold nuggets that you know they, they learn over time as they work with more people is there anything there that springs to mind just based on what what you've done over the last couple of years yeah look absolutely not not even in in an athletic population but the um finally the, the benefits of strength training are um starting to become more well known and it's only just been recently that two strength training sessions per week have been added to the National Physical Activity Guidelines. And that speaks in volumes of, uh, of really how important it is, not only for athletes, but, but everybody. Um, and particularly for the aging athlete, um, on average, as we age past the age of 60, so in master's athletes, we'll lose anywhere between 1% to 4% of strength per year. Um, and that's a, that's a natural part of aging. But what we often forget is that we can defend against that 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 strength loss um, and if we're actively strength training prior to that and we get our peak strength at its highest point before that process starts to occur the longer you're going to be able to to do the things you, you love so swimming cycling running into those later years and and that's just one aspect of it um, that's hugely important in in masters athletes or, or older populations but also from um from yeah more more younger athletes just the, the influence and the benefits that strength training has on, on performance. And, uh, it's a topic that's pretty widely spoken about in sports, such as, such as running and even cycling, probably not so much in the, in the field of swimming, but absolutely as equally as important. Like we mentioned, if, um, if we can use those propulsive forces of, of, um, that strength offer to propel ourselves through the water, um, that can have, yeah, huge impacts on, um, on our performance in swimming as well from a, from a younger, Younger um, age too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know that watching swimmers grow up when they start young and they grow up, you do notice the swimmers, I'm talking like 10, 11, 12, 13, those that have done some form of strength training early on, and we're not talking heavy weights here, we're just talking about some pretty basic body weight stuff and learning how to hold their body or move their body uh, in, a, in a controlled way. Those that have got that sort of background from a young age, you, you can notice it when they swim. They just move so much better. They're so much better coordinated. So it does help for them to to start early, at least with some some really basic stuff, I think. And, uh, yeah, it, it stands out in the, in the field of swimming. Like it, at like a state level, state championships, for example, those swimmers that, that are doing that kind of program, they, uh, yeah, you can see it. Particularly for Absolutely. like those high strength, high, high strength requirement strokes like like a breaststroke or, or butterfly, but obviously the other strokes require it too. So it's uh, yeah, completely agree with you there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 
even more emerging evidence at the moment supporting um, the effect of some some heavy eccentric strength in programming in swimmers is um, is really exciting to see too. And um, I think you've teed up here with Jonah for a few AT sessions, and uh, and he tends to love a good um, ten second eccentric phase throughout uh, some of those movements. So, um, mate, hopefully uh, you start to notice that a lot of that is uh, is paying off in your swimming as well. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I'm, that's why I'm rolling into a Friday morning training session pretty sore at the moment, which is it's good. Is uh, I I just can't work as hard on my own as I do when I've got uh, got someone there like Jonah <laughs> working me. It's uh, you know, get the shakes up towards the end, which is which is you know where you're working hard. Then uh, it's... I've noticed I've noticed the exact same thing, and um, we have a lot of people that uh, that opt to go on those those assisted training sessions because you think you can uh, you can push yourself pretty hard until um yeah you, you get someone coaching you through it to the level that they can and mm. uh yeah you, you do walk out feeling like you've done a really really hard hard session and uh and uh it's great yeah i love it yeah absolutely it, it makes a huge difference and and they can also just help tweak a couple of things with your technique on the machines and also just making sure that you are actually pushing yourself because for whatever reason it's uh it's different it's like swimming in a squad i i can definitely work myself hard training on my own but it's it's very different environment compared to when I'm swimming with a with a group, so I think it's it's yeah. worthwhile. And absolutely uh, for uh, for those listening, so we've teed up a an offer for those uh, that are listening. If you locate, if you're in Australia and you're near Akiza Gym, then uh, Zach, do you want to let them know just what what they can do if they'd like to to try what we're talking about here? Uh, as I said, I'm a huge fan. I've found it really beneficial. So for any swimmers or triathletes listening, I'd uh, I'd highly recommend it. So what's um what's the way that people can get started? Yeah. So uh, the first first stage of uh, of getting started is uh, catching up with the, with the physio and Akiza. Like we said, um, we need to then go go through those assessment phases, which include the the strength testing components, so we can really individualise that that athlete's program. Um, so we've got um, We've got an offer that's um, heading into the Kiza Great Australia Day Swim coming up in January that we, we're really keen to get as many people in utilising this strength strength equipment as we start to head towards that event and, and more people get out swimming during these warmer months. So uh, you'll get that initial physio session, uh, which will include some strength testing, six supervised uh, sessions in the gym, like we were talking about earlier with your sessions with Jonah, just to, to get you working to those levels that we know that people need to work at in the gym. Um, as well as refine as much of the technique as, as we need to. And then six weeks of strengthening in the Keyser gym, uh, all for $180. Fantastic. I'll put uh, that link uh, in our show notes so it's, uh, it's clear for everyone how they can um, take up that offer. And I think they've just got to mention the Effortless Swimming podcast when they, uh, when they join as, as well. So I'll, I'll put that in the show notes for anyone who's interested. And uh, as we said at the start, it's, uh, it's, it's not, a, not a paid Add, uh, during the the show, and I don't get any commission from from this at all. This is just uh, uh, anything that I come across that I think is worthwhile. I uh, I think there can be big benefits for for other swimmers listening. So uh, Zach, I appreciate you being on the podcast. It's uh, it's always good to talk about all things swimming, and it's been a while since I've had someone talk about strength on it. So it's always a um, a good reminder, especially something important as that. So appreciate the the time. Nah, thanks for having me, Brenton. It's been great and. Uh... Keen to see you in here. I expect you in at the, in at the gym a bit later today, hey? You, you read my mind. I'm actually looking at where I want to squeeze in a session. So uh, probably be an hour or two until you see me. <laughs> Good, mate. Look forward to it. 
Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.